Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Greg Giannotti solo. And joining me right now, Bobby Marks from ESPN, NBA front office insider. Bobby, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. And I'm interested in the Thunder because now on a little bit of a win streak, this has been a big story this year, how they haven't meshed. Uh, in your opinion, why are they winning games right now as opposed to the slow start that they got on? Well, I think they've kind of identified some of their roles here. You know, they've kind of uh, – their shot selection is a lot better. Uh, you've seen certainly toward that, towards the end of games, probably not really last night against uh, Toronto, but that at least that Houston game where, you know, the, the three-pointers that were usually going up or they're now settling for twos there. I think Carmelo's role has been more identified more of as a third option, not as a number one. And, uh, I mean, Steve, in, the, in the way Stephen Adams has played, I think he's more of the kind of that unsung, uh, unsung hero here. And I think you're going to see this Thunder team probably going a little bit of a roll right now. They've got Milwaukee coming up. They've got both uh, Los Angeles teams going up. So this win streak, which I think is at six, could certainly go to 11. Um, and they can maybe, you know, get into that, you know, four of the, I think they're five right now, maybe into that, that four range right now. So that's, that's why I always said that, you know, it's such a long year, 82 games that let's see where teams are around Christmas time, January 1st, before we start to, you know, kind of bury teams or kind of, you know, put teams on a, on a, on a pedestal here. And, uh, and the Thunder have certainly found their groove here. Certainly got a lot of work, a lot more work to do. I don't think the goal was just to be a four or five seed, you know, when the, when the season ends. Of all the roster construction that you saw in the offseason, whether it was with Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Golden State, um, well, they didn't do much, uh, Houston, uh, what the Cavaliers did in the trade with the Celtics, which one of those at first blush did you believe was going to work the best? Well, I thought Oklahoma City would, just based on talent alone, and that certainly has taken you know, a, a long time to kind of you know, come to come to fruition here. I mean, I like what what Houston was able to do with you know, especially with Chris Paul. I think the under the radar signings with Tucker, uh, Bamute, when you add them to Gordon, Harden, Capella, uh, I think those are kind of the missing the missing players that you know they could have used maybe in that uh, in the playoffs last year. Now they got to get healthy though. That's the big key as far as with uh, with Capella uh, in in Chris Paul, but. It's so hard to build a team, um, you know, free agency or the draft, even through trades, and then expect to kind of hit the ground running, um, you know, when, when training camp starts and the season starts. I think that's why Boston had been such a good story, even though they've, they've you know, struggled a little bit of late, where they added 10 of, 10 of 14 new players and got off to that great start there. I know Houston has been great, even though they lost three in a row, but uh, for the most part, Houston has been great early on. But I cannot get the image of that James Harden game six against the San Antonio Spurs out of my head. I I can't do it. So it's one of these deals where, and of course Chris Paul has had his struggles, whether it's his fault or not. It's a discussion for another day in the postseason. But, you know, no matter what they do in this regular season, I feel like I don't want to fall for it. 
Is it fair to judge this Rockets team based on what those guys have done in the postseason in the past? No, no, I think you're right on. I think even watching them against Oklahoma City and then against the game against the Clippers on Friday night, I, that that image of that, you know, that I guess it was a game six against San Antonio. I started, I started thinking about that, and you know, they certainly are a different team when Paul and Capella is on the court, but you know, there's still a lot of you know question marks for Chris Paul when we get to the playoffs. So that's that's going to be interesting to, to follow there. But yeah, they haven't. You know, regular season is one thing. When you get to the play, when you get to the uh, playoffs, and you're facing uh, a Golden State team in a, in a Western Conference Finals, or even an Oklahoma City or San Antonio in a, in a Western Conference Semifinals, I think that's kind of where you know that's where we'll, we'll this team will be identified from. But yeah, I, I'm I, I like what they've done. I'm not I'm not sold. I'm not ready to kind of you know roll them into the NBA Finals right now. And, and a lot of it. As I mentioned, it's durability. You know, can Chris Paul stay healthy during the season and to be healthy when the playoffs start? Gio and Jones of Bobby Marks of ESPN, NBA front office insider for them, former front office man himself. Uh, you know, back to the Thunder for a second. Well, I guess it's sort of a, a question about a couple of teams. When you have all these stars that are on these teams and it's in more than one place, you know, can coaches really coach? anymore we've seen that the star player gets guys fired we saw with Fizdale and Gasol we've seen a million times in the NBA but I was hearing criticisms of Billy Donovan's job uh, uh, with the Thunder early on and I'm thinking you know with all those guys in one place and Russ being Russ you know can a good coach really be a good coach in today's NBA with that many great players on the roster well, and you remember we we're, we shortened the preseason too, so we go three weeks of the preseason here, and you, and you're limited what you can do with them in the off season and, and during uh, you know in September and even in July and August. So yeah, I mean you're you're trying to mix and match ro- you know you know rosters together, certainly teams that have turned over, and I think you know what Billy has been able to do, and I, I never thought his job was in, in jeopardy just based on Sam Presti's track record of how you know he he gives coaches a you know, some, some rope here. You saw he had some longevity with, with Scott Brooks here, and now Billy's in, I think, his fourth year. And, um, you know, I think that's why, that's the beauty of it all, is I think you have, if you have some patience here, and I don't think Memphis did, that things usually work itself out. I think you see that in Chicago. Look what Fred Hoiberg's been able to do with that roster. Those guys are, it's a, it's a college-level roster of players, you know, on rookie contracts for, with a guy who coached a long time in, in, at Iowa State there. So, um, I think if the if you have the right players there and with the right personality from a coach, I think good things can happen. But I think a lot of it all has to do is just have some patience. Yeah, something I wanted to ask you that is has been driving me nuts for years, and I understand why teams are going to be better at home. The obvious reasons, but the disparity for certain teams, like the Knicks, for example, fifteen and six at home, two and eleven on the road. The Thunder, we we're just talking about them, fourteen and four at home, six and eleven. On the road, San Antonio sixteen and two at home, eight and nine on the road. Denver twelve and three at home, seven and thirteen on the road. So we talk about analytics and metrics in the NBA, and there's obvious reasons why a team's going to have a better home record. But why, in your opinion, is the disparity so great with so many teams in the NBA? I think it's mental toughness. I think a lot of it has to do with that. I think the ability to have a closer down the stretch to put a ball in. The- uh, the ball in, a, in, a, in an, an alpha you know, male's hand there to be able to close the game. I mean, I was fortunate to have Jason Kidd for a long time, you know, and his mental toughness uh, at the end of these games kind of willed, and, and, that, and that separated him certainly when we were, we were a good road team in those, in those teams in New Jersey here. And I think that's what, 
when you get to the last two minutes of games here, I think that's where you see certainly these young teams struggle. You see New York, um, you know, certainly struggle. Uh, big difference from being uh, at home and then, you know, compared to being on the road. Yeah, and last night, the greatest example of that, I mean, they don't score a bucket in the last several minutes. Enos Cantor's taking threes to tie the game. They're turning the ball over like they're supposed to be doing that. And the Bulls come back and win. They had a 15-point lead at one point in that game, and, and the Bulls didn't have a lead until like 36 seconds to go in a game. So how do you fix that? I mean, you would think, you know, you think Cantor, Alpha Male, you think that Porzingis is doing that. you got Jared Jack who's been there in the NBA for a long time. There's guys that are there. I mean, how do you fix that if you're a coach? Well, I don't know if you do. I think you've got to, you know, I think for New York, it, I think a lot of it is more about development. Maybe they spoil us a little bit early with their with their record right now. I think for them to figure out if Frank Nittikina is their point guard of the future, I think you need to put him in spots like that. You almost throw him into the deep end and, and see if he can swim here. So it's going to be growing pains. You know, not every every team has a an A-level point guard and with the Jared Jack combination, Nittikina, Ron Baker – you're going to have moments like that. Gio and Jones with Bobby Marks across the country on CBS Sports Radio. I know uh, trade deadline stuff is is still not in the forefront, but uh, do you believe that there are rumblings with big names that you think will end up being moved at the trade deadline, or is it still too early to get a feel of what teams are going to want to do because of where they are in the standings right now? I think it's still early. I think, you know, the Clippers are a team to watch, but they've played well, uh, better lately. I think they're three games out of eight. So what happens with DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams? Those are the two names. I think we can probably, for now, at least put the Paul George rumors to, to bed until what that Thunder team is right around, you know, Feb 8. I think guys, teams like Atlanta, maybe Sellers, you got to look at some of those rebuilding teams, you know, Bellinelli, Ilyasova, those are kind of their your your two names, but it, the trade deadline just moved up two weeks earlier from from Feb twenty second to the eighth. Uh, you know we're right about you know a couple of days away from January first, so I think you'll start to see things pick up right now. Um, I don't see any monster moves, you know, like maybe we've seen in, in the past or at least rumored. But I think DeAndre is probably your big your big name that you're gonna have to watch out for. Do you like the idea of the trade deadline being moved up a couple of weeks? I do because it gives you some separation from the March one waiver buyout um, deadline, where you can add players to your to your postseason roster. Here, I think it forces teams' hands a little bit earlier. Um, you do it before the All Star uh, All Star break. Here, teams are usually wait until the last minute to be able to do a deal. So now they're you know now once we get past Jan one, you know things are going to get a little bit more busier. If you were part of the Cavaliers organization, what would be the thing you'd be most excited about in adding Isaiah Thomas when he's healthy enough to play on a consistent basis, and what would be your biggest concern about it? Well, I think just integrating him there. But, he, you know, it's not like he's going to have to take a job away from somebody. You've got, um, you know, you've got Calderon. You know, Rose isn't even isn't even, um, he isn't even back yet. Um, so I think that's kind of where it is, just basically integrating him back into your, um, into your roster. And I think managing his minutes so when you get to, when you get to April that, you know, he is in, you know, in one piece here. Are you going through security at the airport right now? I am actually on a plane. <laughs> I was going to say, so, so you're like putting your stuff away and sitting down and people are staring at you? 
So is our people? Is everybody looking at you like you're crazy? Uh, they are. Yes. <laughs> I right. figured. I figured you guys have been really good to me in the, in the last two and a half years, and you're on your second to last show. That I at least had to come on and pay some homage to you. <laughs> well, we appreciate that, Bobby, and I will let you go so you can be a normal passenger right now. We appreciate the time as always. Best of luck. I'll talk to you when you get up to New York. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Bobby. That's Bobby Marks of ESPN. That is a great job. Like, normally I would get annoyed that all that noise in the background, but then you got to think of it from his perspective. Exactly what he said. He wouldn't do this interview for just anybody. He was on a plane doing it for us. Speaking of planes, anybody follow that story with John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, what happened there? So it was a couple days ago, and they were going on a vacation to Japan. And they're on the flight. First class, of course. Four hours in, the plane turns around. Four hours into the flight, L.A. to Japan, over the Pacific. Plane turns around, they go back to L.A. You would think mechanical issue, probably. Pilot sick, sick passenger, no. What happened was that a passenger on that flight somehow got on that flight when he wasn't supposed to be on that flight. It was two brothers. One had a ticket and a boarding pass on United. I believe it was United. The other was this Nippon Airlines. I don't know what it was. ANA, I think, maybe. Which was the flight that Tegan and John Legend were on. So they found this out somehow mid-flight. And were like, we can't bring this guy Without this boarding pass to Japan, we got to go and bring him back. So I had to turn all the way around. Now, this guy wasn't threatening. He'd gone through security. It really wasn't a big deal. He ended up on the flight. Someone made a mistake. But for some reason, they were like, we cannot complete the flight. We have to turn around. Now, I understand how delicate things are today with airlines. But if this guy was that dangerous... I mean, don't you think that, I mean, something would have happened by then? I mean, clearly they talked to the guy. They figured out what happened. They should just let it go. If I was on that plane and some moron got on there, well, he's not the moron. The people that are working there are morons. Let him on. And we turned around four hours into the flight to go four hours back. So eight hours I've been on a plane and I have gone nowhere. The start of vacation, no less, in Japan, I would have been livid. Now, I don't know if they took care of the passengers or there were refunds or whatever else. But Chrissy Teigen said it herself on her Twitter account. She said, I just don't understand why you can't sort this out in Japan. Sort it out in Japan. We're in Japan. Figure out the boarding pass thing. But it is a little bit scary thinking that you could hand a boarding pass to somebody that's working there at the counter that's not for that flight and as Chrissy Teigen put it it goes beep boop and then you're on a flight that's not yours I mean that's a little bit alarming so maybe this thing ends up being a good thing in the long run that they 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 figure that out but I was just thinking about all the people that I mean it sucks to be on a flight like that to begin with it's just awful to be on a long flight like that 
I'm sure Tegan and John Legend were getting like Manny Petties and Swedish massages and salmon that they like caught like mid air, like like flying salmon. Like the stewardess grabbed grabbed it out of the air. But I mean, still, who wants to deal with that? Flying's the worst, man. It's just gotten so bad. Even for the people that are rich, it's gotten bad. All right, coming up next, Mike Leach is the weirdest man in sports. Hands down. Keep it right here. You're listening to Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Seth Cantor is back. He's ready for an update. You like salt? I think that's part of my acid reflux problem because <laughs> I have too much salt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's certain things that really get me, man, with that heartburn, that acid reflux. Mm. Oh. You want to you go back and forth with this? Let's do it. What's number one on your list? Number one, I would have to say, actually, uh, it's highly unfortunate because it's one of my favorite foods. Buffalo wings now give me a really oh, bad right. reaction. Yeah, definitely. Anything hot like that. You want mine? Orange juice. That kills me. If I have a glass of orange juice, it's like immediate. It's just bubbling up. Also, tomato sauce. Like any sort of red sauce, tomato mm-hmm. sauce. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Very acidic. Yeah, it's very acidic, Seth. Very acidic. What else? Well, peppers now, jalapenos. Well, I used to... those, those are obvious. You can't, you can't go there. See, to me, like you go anything hot, you're just asking for it. You know what does it to me now? Pizza. Because it has the sauce and the cheese. Mm. Cheese is very bad for you, too. It is. I know, I know, man. We're screwed. <laughs> Think about us. I'll tell you what did me in, not to make this about me. When I was in college, I was a shock jock host on a radio show. Get out of here. I was, yeah. So yeah. you were, like, very controversial and saying a bunch of stuff that got people angry? For college radio, yeah. That's why I'm an anchor now instead of a host, I guess. <laughs> uh, my nickname was Steakhouse on the show, actually. <laughs> Steakhouse. So you were just just steakhouse. You weren't steakhouse, steakhouse Seth or Cantor's Steakhouse. Or you were just steakhouse. I started out with this lousy name, Seth Brooks. Yeah. And the radio people had none of it. They said, <laughs> you're as big as a house and you like to eat, so we're calling you Steakhouse. Oh, so someone gave it to you. Someone gave it to All me. All right. Okay. My roommates called me Beef because Steakhouse was too long. <laughs> but... I'm totally off track here. That's anyway, fine. It doesn't matter. That's what this show's about, man. Go what ahead. started the acid reflux, I think. I was at a habanero pepper eating contest. Oh, come on, Sad. That's what did it. You've been ruined ever since. I won, though. I had nine of those suckers. <laughs> so basically burned a hole in your esophagus to the point now where <laughs> you can't recover. I spent my Friday night with a gallon of milk. Some of my friends were out <laughs> spending their night with beers and girls. I was spending my night with a gallon of milk. See, that's another thing that'll do me in. With the, are you lactose intolerant? you tolerant with lactose or not? I'm probably going in that direction, too. <laughs> we got a lot in common, man. <laughs> I tell you. Steakhouse, huh? So did you enjoy doing You don't strike me as a guy that would be a shock jock radio host. It didn't go very well. It didn't go well. didn't go so very was, well. So it wasn't you. You were forcing it a little bit, right? I was forcing it. Yeah, that that gig ended after college. That was it. Okay. Resume tapes didn't go very far there. All right. So it was uncomfortable for you trying to be that guy is wasn't, basically what you're saying. wasn't natural. Now, behind the scenes, I'd like to think I have a little more personality, but you put a microphone in front of me. It's a little tougher. <laughs> like, how would you open? You'd open the show like, I'm Steakhouse and screw you. Like, is that what you would do? Here's the beef. <laughs> here's here's the beef. Would you do all meat-related segments? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, today's tender filet mignon comes from this story. 
Who'd one segment, go? steak. The next segment, turkey. The next one, <laughs> hamburgers. The porterhouse for two. There's a lot of sponsorship opportunities there. Yeah, you know, you could do a whole show on different kinds of steak, like T-bones or porterhouses <laughs> or sirloins. You could. Maybe that's why it didn't work. It sounds like my type of show. I would listen to that. I mean, so do, do people still, has that steakhouse thing followed you around to this point in your career? Yeah, with my Ithaca College friends, people still do you that. You went to Ithaca College? Still paying for it, too. Oh, see, Great I school. Went, I went there for a couple of years. I was there, and it, I was miserable up there. And I transferred back to Long Island. So I was a music education major up mm. there at Ithaca. So it was 2001, so like the 1-2 school year and the 2-3 school year. Like that's those are the two years I spent up there. How uh, you, without you're probably younger than me, right? I think we're around the same age. Yeah, I was up there. I couldn't stand it up there, man. It was just, and I was in. If I was in the communication side of things, I would have liked it more probably. But being in the music side of things, and there was just absolutely no diversity up there. And I came from a very diverse high school, and it was just weird to me. And the weather, it. I mean, it's just all. Like people who are listening that are in Erie or people that are listening that know what lake effect snow is and stuff, like you get it. Most people don't get it. Like it's just so unbelievably depressing, like way worse than New York City cold weather. Sun disappears in November, doesn't come back out until May. So basically, yes. And I remember I used to go and watch the Minnesota Vikings in town. There was a bar, I forget the name of it, that had the Sunday ticket. I would go there. Bench warmers? Yes, bench warmers. And then I'd fight with, like, the Ithaca Townies. Do you know those Townies? They'd sit there. They'd have the white guys with dreadlocks playing hacky sack in the little square, the common square, whatever that was. Oh, they hate the college kids. Yes. Hate them. They hate the college kids. So I'd walk there with my purple pants on and my Vikings jersey, (laughs) and then they'd all be making fun. And, of course, at that age, you know, I've got no discretion whatsoever. So I'm yelling back at them. I'm being all disrespectful. Look at you, you dirty bastards. And I'm just going back and forth. I know Steakhouse. That's what I know. <laughs> but no, I would just, I, I mean, I would lose my mind on these people. That was another thing I didn't like. Did you ever go over to the Cornell campus? I did all the time. I was actually, because Ithaca had no frats. Now I'm really digging deep. Right. One of my best friends from high school is actually part of the DKE frat, Delta Kappa Epsilon. I was an honorary member there. Okay. And it was really the best of both worlds because I could go whenever I wanted, but I didn't have to get into any of those hazing routines. Well, that's right. You don't need any of that stuff. That's perfect. But I worked at the Louis Lunch Truck. Were you familiar with that? There was two food trucks there. were very popular. Mm-hmm. The Hot Truck mm-hmm. and the Louis Lunch Truck. Yeah. And I worked in that Louis Lunch Truck. I said I used to go there. That was my job in college, making sandwich. I probably gave you a sandwich at some point in our You life. might have. Yeah. When were you there? What years? 99 to 03. So I probably, you know what? I gave you a, I made a sandwich for you, Seth. Steakhouse. <laughs> Maybe we brought, it was a cheesesteak. Who knows? We were brought together for a reason today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. You liked it up there, though? I did. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you know, I know I'm I'm knocking my alma mater, but right. at the same time, it was a great time. I had a good four years there. Yeah, I, I did not. But it shaped me today. I think that if I had had a better college experience, I would not be where I am today doing the stuff I want to do. I'm serious about it. Because if I had loved Ithaca and been, I'd be somewhere some high school on Long Island teaching kids the violin that want no part of it. That's what my life would have been. Yeah. So I needed to hate Ithaca for me to do the things I wanted to do. Lonely ride up there too, huh? Oh, my God. 17 to 81. Oh, 17. To 96B to 17, 86C the or cops, whatever. The cops are all over 17. And there was a time I drove up there, pure whiteout. 
I'm talking pure whiteout. I couldn't see a damn thing. I had to use the rumble strips on each side of the road to figure out if I was even going on the road. And I was just, I just went. I didn't stop. People would stop it. I just went. What a miserable time in my life. <laughs> all right, Seth. Thanks for all that. And give us an update now, will you? Well, Ithaca is in the Finger Lakes. And speaking of lakes, Hugh Jackson said he would jump into Lake Erie if the Browns went water 15 or worse. Time for Jackson to pay the piper. Hopefully I can get a lot of people to come out. It'd be something that we're going to make special. Uh, I don't like it. Don't like to do it for the reason why I'm having to do it. But I have to make do on my word. And uh, I just think that's what you do, you know. And so I do get that. I made a statement. I got to back it up. So uh, that's the type of person I am. So that's what we have to do. Good for him, huh? You know, yeah. you want to see that. I mean, if you're a Browns fan, you hate the fact that you're going to go 0-16, 1-15, whatever. I mean, they're going to end up losing to the Steelers. But... You know, you you love to see a coach actually, like that's I got respect for him for jump, jumping in that lake when he doesn't. He's not a welcher, you could say that, right? Without a doubt. Giants Eli Apple out for the season finale against the Skins, suspended for conduct detrimental to the team after Landon Collins called him a cancer. The day before, Giants locker room has been a rough place this year. Ben Roethlisberger and James Harrison, teammates for a number of years. Even with the veteran linebacker and Patriots threats, Big Ben has no ill will towards Harrison. You know what, James has to do what James has to do. Um, you know, I, I didn't, it's not like he called and asked me if he should or not. You know, James is um, was out there as a free agent. He's going to do what he what he needs to do, what's best for his family. And uh, like I said, I wish him the best. I've had a lot of uh, good years with him. Jay Cutler on the fence about 2018, prefers to be a starter, although Ryan Tannehill expected to have that gig with the Dolphins. College football, Purdue edges Arizona 38-35. Foster Farms will Longhorns take the Texas Bowl, beating Mizzou 33-16. Pinstripe goes to Iowa 27-20 over B.C. FSU blows out Southern Miss 42-13 at the Independence. Hardwood, Rajon Rondo, career-high 25 assists, most in the NBA for more than 20 years. Pelicans dismantled the Nets 128-113. Rondo's former team, the Celtics, bounced back, being the Hornets 102-91. Brad Stevens said Charlotte was feisty. You know, any time that we've had a lead, um, they've come back and either taken the lead or cut it to one. And uh, so, you know, you know that there's a run that's going to happen. You hope to uh, manage it better than we did, but... Um, that's the NBA. Warriors took care of the Jazz 126-101, 21 for Kevin Durant. Cavs have lost back-to-back games, dropped by the Kings 109-95. Thunder surging, six straight wins, beating up the Raptors 124-107, two straight losses for Toronto. Timberwolves five in a row, edging the Nuggets 128-125. College hoops, top-ranked Villanova 14-0, easily over DePaul 103-85. NHL back on the ice. Caps fell to the Rangers in a shootout 1-0. I'm Seth Cantor. Greg? So the last year I was at Ithaca, I lived in those Ithaca garden apartments. You familiar with those things? Very familiar. So my roommate started selling weed out of my apartment without even telling me or asking me. Just like started doing it. I'm thinking, you know, at least run this by me. <laughs> so he didn't. You know, and I got upset. Now, listen, I'm no prude when it comes to these things. It was, to me, it was a matter of principle. Like, you're going to sell weed out of this apartment. You get caught. And I'm in, implicated. What am I going to say? I, I'm not involved. So I ended up like moving out the last month to a different apartment. It was a big traumatic day. This guy got in a big fight with him. Just terrible. I mean, people be showing up at the apartment all hours. And then, yeah. and then I finally figured it out. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Get some of those townies strolling in too, probably. Oh, my goodness. I was angrier, man. <laughs> then than I ever was in my life. Sounds like I brought up a rough chapter in your life here. I thought about mugging somebody. I did. 
I was so angry. I said, you know what? I want to go mug somebody just to see what it feels like. I could, didn't. I never did it, but I considered it. You might have been the first person in Ithaca to ever do that. I don't think it's <laughs> well, happened Well, that was there. the thing. I was like, you know what? I could be a criminal up here. <laughs> That's what I thought about. I mean, I was so angry. I was thinking about being like a real legit criminal, like just beating people up, stealing their stuff, because I was so angry. Now, I didn't go through with any of it, but these are the thoughts that I had. I've never had thoughts like that ever any other point in my life. Like so, I'd like to be a criminal, but there somehow I did. Suppose gloomy skies vet did it to you. It's without a doubt. Seasonal depression there, Seth. All right, man. Thank you. Anytime. We, we'll see you. We'll see you in an hour. Uh, quickly here, because we got A.J. Hawk coming up in a few minutes. But Mike Leach at the Holiday Bowl press conference, blowing on his cup of coffee to cool it down, is a piece of video that you have to watch. And he, you can learn so much from this video. There's a book that people are suggesting to me that I've heard about that I actually just downloaded the audio book and I'll listen to it. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Blank. Basically meaning don't worry about stupid stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Be confident in yourself. Real con- All stuff like that. So people talk about how this book is like a great book. I'm thinking I don't need to read the book. I just need to watch Mike Leach do this. Because this is the more than just subtle. This is the in-your-face version of not giving a blank. Because he doesn't care how he looks. He doesn't care what comes across. He's just going to cool down that coffee at that moment because he wants cooler coffee. That's it. That's what he wants. He's not interested in your opinion. If you haven't seen this video, we'll tweet it out at G. Owen Jones on Twitter. G. I. Owen Jones. While it still exists for a couple of days. Go check it out. But watch this and learn from this, man. You know, people are laughing at him and stuff, saying, ah, oh, this is it's weird. I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that he does not care how this, he's on television. And he doesn't care how it looks. We could all learn from Mike Leach. He does what he wants. He says what he wants. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. A.J. Hawk next. This is Gio and Jones on CBS Sports Radio. Joining us as always, how are you? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Yes, of course. It's good to have you. Uh, are, now be honest. Can you keep up the excitement for the college football playoff in this hiatus? Are you able to have the passion for these games like you did when you found out with the matchups all the way through to when they're played? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. If you're a college football fan, it's it's not tough. I think you get more anxious and frustrated that you have to wait so long it feels like but um yeah I, i'm i'm excited i think each day that creeps closer there's so many bowl games you can satisfy your college football needs and sprinkle in some nfl games as well so there, there's plenty to do and watch throughout the holiday season before uh, these playoffs kick off has your opinion on these games changed a lot since you first saw the matchups uh as in how what do you mean exactly like sorry you first see uh, Alabama, Clemson, you have an initial boom. Okay, I know who I like in this game. Georgia, Oklahoma, you're like, boom, all right, I got a feel. But then as the time goes on, because you have so much time to think about it, you waffle back and forth on how you feel about it. Yeah, you can definitely go uh, against your initial instincts when you have this much time to try to break it down and see what who you think will win. But no, I haven't really changed. 
I, I haven't changed my opinion too much on what I think is going to happen. I've, I've, I've thought Oklahoma is – they could easily be number one ranked team right now. I, I love Oklahoma. I think Baker Mayfield is special, special quarterback. So I, I like them. And then the one thing I am kind of waffling on is this Clemson-Alabama game. I, I always have a tough time picking against Alabama – but I really, really love the, the Clemson team and their, their defense and their, their front four especially. So I'm not 100% sure on who I think is going to win that one. Let's start with Oklahoma here for a second because I also like them a lot. And anytime I tweet out something positive about Oklahoma, everybody comes back with, oh, they're going to have to win every game 54-53 and they've got no defense and the Big 12 doesn't play any defense. That's the same old stuff. And to me, sure, okay, there's an argument there. But if you look at some of these past national championship games, you know, the best offense ends up winning the game. And if you look at every unit, offensive and defense of these top four teams, the best unit is that Oklahoma offense. I think that can carry them to the title, and it seems like you think so too. Yeah, I definitely believe that. I think that's – I mean, look at college football in general. The best defense is a good offense. That's the old cliche saying, but there's – their offense is really, really good, and you just need your defense to be good enough. And if you if your defense can find a way to get a few turnovers, then, man, you, you give a couple extra possessions to a guy like Baker Mayfield in that offense, if things are looking good for you. How much do you think Alabama getting healthy, especially defensively linebacker position, is going to help them out in this game against Clemson? Total game changer in your mind or just a minor impact? Uh, I think it's, it's more than a minor impact. I don't know if it's a total game changer, but yeah, it, it's it, it's going to have a, a big impact. I think now that they're finally healthy, the defense has all their guys back basically, and I think Nick Saban would would not tip you off to it of how big of an impact that will have for this team. But I, I think it's going to be huge, and, and that's one of the few things I, I think that could the next piece of the puzzle for this Alabama team that could help them find a way to, to beat Clemson. Gio and Jones with A.J. Hawk across the country on CBS Sports Radio. Last year this time, we were talking so much about big running backs skipping their bowl games to stay healthy for the NFL draft and Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey. You haven't seen as much of that this year. Uh, You see Bryce Love playing. You're going to see Saquon Barkley play. Uh, Do you think that is the right decision for players to play in these meaningless games that could end up affecting their draft status? Uh, It's such an individual decision, I believe, depending on who the player is, when he's projected to get drafted. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I'm glad that I'm not a a college junior or senior right now trying to figure out what to do in a bowl game. I I think I would have played in my bowl game no matter what. I think just at the time I was – so young and not really thinking about the NFL, but now guys have you know, people chirping in their ear from when they're in middle school. So it's a real thing where if you go out there and you get hurt and you drop a few rounds or say you have something that, that puts you out and you can't really be fully healthy for a year or two, that's, that's a big deal in, in your football future. So I think depending on who you are, I completely understand when guys sit out the bowl games and when they do not play, especially if it's not, a, uh, if it's not in the college football playoffs or it's not a huge – big-time bowl game for you. I, I don't blame them for doing it, and I uh, I think we'll see this will be sprinkled in throughout the next 10, 20 years in college football to where guys will, will make decisions to, to try to protect themselves a little bit going into the draft. With the quarterbacks we've heard so much about, and it seemed like beginning of the college football season, and we were all talking about it, and then it sort of fell off 
a little bit. Now we're talking about him again in, in Darnold, Rosen, and Allen. Of those three guys, you're an NFL general manager. You have your pick. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going Sam Darnold. I love everything that, that he does. I love his demeanor. Uh, obviously, all the physical tools. He he turns the ball over a, a little bit, but I think that's one of the things that – one of the few things that a coach can help you with once you get to the NFL. I mean, you're not going to change uh, – you can have all these quarterback gurus all you want. You're not going to change your delivery. You're not going to change how you throw the ball. That's what you're born with. You cannot change your mechanics, really. You can You can help with your footwork and fundamentals. But decision-making, I think that's one of the things that you can get better at as you get older. And, and Sam Darnold will force some balls in and throw some interceptions every once in a while. But I think he he's deceptively elusive with his feet, can move around, and just makes plays. And guys, his teammates seem to love to be around him. So he would be the top of those three, no question, if I was a GM. Do you think that Rosen's confidence and bravado is going to help him or hinder him more? I think it depends on where he goes and what, who his offensive coordinator is, what the weapons are around him. But I think it can, it can ultimately help him. I really do. If you're a quarterback, the worst thing that can happen to you is your confidence being shot. I can't imagine trying to, at some point in your career, you're going to throw a pick six probably. And you have to get the ball back. They're going to, give, you're going to kick it right back to you. And you're going to have to pull the trigger and make that same throw again probably on the next drive. And you have to have the confidence to do it. If your confidence is shot, I don't think no matter what tools you have physically as a quarterback, it's going to be tough. So I love the fact that he's confident and bravado. That's what you want in a quarterback. Look at look at a guy like Brett Favre. But I played two years with Brett, and Brett wasn't cocky or anything, but he had supreme confidence in his arm and what he could do on the field. And I love that. If I'm a, if I'm a player on that team, I want my quarterback to have that. You want him to have some fight and some passion. Yeah, it may spill over and may have a few mistakes here and there. But I think you you understand and you take the good with the bad. Gio and Jones with A.J. Hawk, 11-year NFL veteran, Fox College football analyst, and NFL radio host. I want to talk about the NFL and this James Harrison saga. If you were in that Steelers locker room and this played out, how would you feel about James Harrison? Uh, well, first of all, I don't, James Harrison's not a traitor or anything. I, I love people trying to say that. He was cut by the Steelers. Now it's coming out that he had asked to be cut, and I, I understand where he's coming from. He, he said he had to make a business decision, basically. So he'd only played 40 snaps this whole season, and he was inactive for a lot, for six games or something. So they obviously did not have a role for him uh, on the Steelers this year, and they were going to roll with their young guys who were playing well. So the fact that he went to them and asked to be released, and they did, and then he went to the Patriots, it, it seems like a no-brainer if you're James Harrison to where – why wouldn't you sign with the Patriots? They're the team that gives you the best chance to win another Super Bowl ring, and they need help as, at the outside linebacker position. They need help rushing the passer. So there may be a role there for you to play on one of the best teams in the league. So I don't think I don't blame him one bit. I know his teammates are coming out and saying that he asked for it and don't pity him or whatever, but uh, I don't know if James was trying to get that or not. He was just hasn't talked much on the matter, but now he's come out and said that he has to be released just because there wasn't really a role, and I completely get it. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I think some of the hatred that's been thrown towards him is is over the top. Uh, would you be concerned about your legacy in a place like Pittsburgh? And I spent some years there, and I know that if you're a former Steeler 
and you contributed in any way to good teams, even the bad teams, the teams that didn't win the Super Bowl, if you were there for a while, I mean, you can have a life there, and you can be someone that is revered for your the rest of your years. You can come back, people treat you like a king. So if you're James Harrison, do you consider that legacy and what the fans there and that organization thinks of you by joining the Patriots? Yeah, maybe a little bit, I'm sure, because those fans have loved him for so long, and they have some of the, the most rabid fan base in the NFL. I've played there, played, have seen how they travel on the road. They are uh, they're great fans. Maybe a little bit, but I think time heals everything. I mean, going back to Brett Favre, I was there when they when Brett wanted to come back, and we'd already moved on to Aaron Rodgers. Then Brett goes to our rival in the Minnesota Vikings, and everyone and Brett was just a, the, an outcast in Wisconsin, and now everything's all good. Time heals everything. So I think eventually people will settle down from it. There will always be some diehard Pittsburgh people that will never, ever forgive him. But, hey, that's why the NFL is a great league. That's why fans are, are so fun because they care so much about the team. But I think for the most part the majority of people understand what he did and they understand wanting to get a Super Bowl ring. So, yeah, he got released and he went to a team that gives him a chance not only to have a big role but to win a ring. Think he could still be effective? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think they're going to have to find a way to use him right. I don't know how many plays that is a game, but he's definitely can still be effective setting the edge in the run game, and then he can still rush the passer. He's that squatty, that short, squatty body. Everyone knows you've seen the videos of him working out. He is so strong that these big six foot six tackles, if you can get underneath their pads, they can. James can still be very, very effective. You a big New Year's guy, AJ? Like you have big plans where you're going to go to a party and are you going to be asleep at midnight? Uh, no, I mean, I, I definitely feel like an old guy. I don't know if I'll be asleep at midnight, but I don't have huge plans. I have four little kids. One of my kids, uh, my third birthday is December 31st, New Year's Eve, so who knows? He won't oh. be awake. At, he won't be awake when the ball is dropping. But, <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not a huge New Year's guy. I try, try to stay off the roads on New Year's Eve. Yes, very, very smart advice. AJ, thanks for the time this morning. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. AJ Hawk, 11-year NFL vet, Fox College football analyst, NFL radio host. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I think this is the first New Year's, maybe I had one in the past where I wasn't feeling good. But I think this is the first New Year's where I'm going to just consciously go to sleep before the ball drops. Starting this new show January 2nd, we were invited to a good friend's house party. I just, I don't need to stay up and do stuff on New Year's. I think I'm finally, I'm finally done with New Year's Eve. This, this is the year where, it, where it's just absolutely over. And that is a good point by A.J. Hawk, by the way about Brett Favre, and one that I thought of with James Harrison. Not only did Brett Favre go to the Minnesota Vikings, but he beat them twice that first year. Beat them at Lambeau and beat them in Minnesota. And should have gone to the Super Bowl if he didn't throw a horrible interception in that NFC Championship game. If all is good there now, you're telling me this can't be repaired? James Harrison already went to the Bengals. Coming up next. An assistant coach at Florida State could be the biggest hire all year. Gio and Jones, CBS Sports Radio. 
Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.